Yo, what's going on? It's your boy, Big Wavy Roy Johnson here. Hello everyone, this is the interview queen, Alicia Too. This is the infamous Cameron Solis. This is the professional Nathan Cruz. This is Veggie. This is the Callahan Death Machine in the draw and the face of Impact Wrestling. The one and only shot with Thunder Willie Mac. This is Shreddy Break, aka Mr. Clangin' and Bangin'. And you're listening. You are listening to. You are listening to. Broken but glorious. Broken but glorious. Broken but glorious. Hello and welcome to Broken But Glorious. I'm Chris Lappin. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the most marketable man in wrestling, the airport god, the consumers champion, and the current Caribbean heavyweight champion, Richard Holday. How you doing, Stephen Richard? I'm doing fantastic, and I, I'd like to give you a little bit of credit off the rip for nailing my introduction and not leaving out any of my illustrious nicknames. So, kudos to you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, I think there's no way, other way to start the interview than to just ask how you're surviving lockdown. How's it in America these days? Well, in America, it's a bit of a frenzy. People are freaking out, and deservingly so. I, on the other hand, am being very precautious and understanding my surroundings. Uh, because I am an intelligent individual at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So uh, I can take pride in the fact that I am not one of the people who is continuing to spread this virus. I'm doing my part, social distancing, and hopefully this can all be resolved sooner rather than later. Yeah, I've heard that you've um, imposed a social distance of eight foot rather than the recommended six. Yeah, I, I typically go with eight feet now. You know, just give me that extra two feet. It's nothing personal. It's just... You know, I'm looking to maximize my health. And in turn, I guess I'm doing the same for them as well, although I'm completely just doing this with myself in mind. <laughs> so I've heard, I've listened to some, like, pre-lockdown interviews, and you've mentioned you had, to, like, a strict coffee schedule, like, different coffees at different times of the day. So have you been able to keep that well, up during the lockdown? Well, absolutely. You know, coffee doesn't stop for anybody, and especially doesn't stop for me. And there are certainly specific times of the day in which specific coffees are enjoyed. And if you need me to run it down again, I'll happily do so. The morning coffee is always a hot black coffee. Always. Yes, I was sure coffee. The, mid- the mid-afternoon, possibly post-lunch coffee, is typically always a venti iced Americana from Starbucks. I just enjoy it. It's a little bit of a trade-off from the hot black. I go with the, I still keep it black, but it's iced and refreshing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do that even in the winter. Wow. Sundays at 5 p.m., I prefer a latte. Um, typically an almond milk, sugar-free vanilla latte. And then, you know, usually around, um, it could be either before the gym, possibly I'll do another cup of black. But those are the main three very strict regimented coffees. Mm. Yes, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of black coffee. I, that's what I, I basically live on that at work, so... So I don't drink coffee any other way, and some people might get it twisted when I say almond milk lattes. That's an espresso-based drink. Yes. So espresso, absolutely, I will mix with various milks, oat milk, almond milk, coconut milk. Coffee, however, gets no milk. Zero milk in coffee. Yeah, I completely agree. There's no other way to drink it. (laughs) So have you been binging any series? Well, I just started the Tiger King series. I'm one episode in. I'm moderately impressed. I, I believe I, I will give it another episode. But for the most part, I have been watching a lot of The Office because I feel like comedic relief is, is a little bit more important than watching some idiot 
himself tigers yeah. <laughs> um, and, and or whatever the hell it is that he's doing and some other guy in the middle of the country with these ridiculous zoos. So I've been going with The Office. Yes, I'm a huge fan of the American Office. It's far superior to the British one. So. Yeah, it's actually funny. I, I think that the British version of The Office sucks, but the American version of The Office is fantastic. Yeah, the first one, it's, it's very uncomfortable, the British version. It's very uncomfortable, very early 2000s humour, which I don't really like. But I like, it, like the American one, I don't really like the first series because they try to do a lot of what the British one did. It's from series two, I think it gets really good. So. Sure. <laughs> do you have a favourite character? Well, in The Office, I would say that my favourite character is... It varies. I mean, in the, in the beginning... Beginning half of the series, my answer would more than likely be Ryan, yeah, and in the back half of the series, my answer is Gabe. I, I think Gabe is his humor is, is quietly the best. Yeah, GSL just just brings it from from every avenue. I'm gonna, I, you know what? I might just go with Gabe uh, for its entirety. He might just be my favorite character. And now, now of course, this is disregarding Michael Scott, who is undoubtedly the funniest character. Definitely. So he's just not even part of the discussion. It's it's who's your favorite non-Michael Scott character? And the answer for me is Gabe. I'm a huge fan of Andy. I think I think him being a foil to Dwight, trying to get Michael Scott's affections in them few series is really good. Oh, Andy's great. Yeah. Hello, everyone. This is the interview queen, Alicia, too, and you're listening to me on Broken But Glorious. <laughs> Alright, so during my research, I found that you really originally starred life as an American footballer, so I'm not going to pretend I know anything about American football. I think I've watched half a match in my whole life. <laughs> so, so, how did you find the transition to the rink, and were there any transferable skills? Well, yeah, I, I started out at the University of New Haven. I was playing football there. I played there my freshman and sophomore years. And then ultimately I decided that football wasn't going to be my career path and professional wrestling was. Mm. So around the age of 22, I decided to hang up the cleats. I transferred schools to further my education. I still received a degree in marketing. But during that time is when I started training to be a professional wrestler. And I took to it rather quickly and and found success in it rather quickly. But the the transition was made from a mental perspective, obviously prior to a physical perspective. And the transition was quite easy for me. I mean, being... Being a, a NCAA football player allowed me to transfer a lot of the basic fundamental skills from an athleticism standpoint into the ring in which you need to be successful. And then just my overwhelming personality, my charisma, my charm, my good looks, everything just kind of flowed in to the athleticism that I already possess. So very easy transition on my end from football to wrestling. Yeah, American football seems to have a long, long history of moving into wrestling. You've got like Vader, Goldberg, and any lad. Ron Simmons, but you don't see it from like other sports like rugby or ice hockey or boxing. So, what what is it about wrestling that attracts footballers? That's an interesting question. I mean, I think I think the thing about football players is is that you know it's it's a mindset thing. Mm-hmm. And then again, I'm not. I've never played hockey. I've I've never boxed. I can't speak for those types of athletes. You know, they're they're premier athletes in its own, but. It just seems maybe it's the fact that that football has had success in transitioning, and maybe yeah. just other football players have followed suit. You know, if a hockey player transitioned from hockey to wrestling and was successful, that that might attract other hockey players, but that hasn't really been the case. So football 
has kind of been a bridge in that sense, and maybe that's just the reason why it's been that way. Cool. So could I have a guess at who your favorite wrestler growing up was based on the matches I've seen? So I'm going to go with The Rock. Well, my, my, my favorite wrestler growing up actually has zero influence on oh, the way that I present myself, the way that I wrestle. Um, a- a- anything in, in regards to myself, my favorite wrestler growing up was actually Kane. Oh, wow. Uh, um, you, you, yeah, yeah, it was Kane. Yeah, I, I was I was attracted to him as a, as a young child. He, uh, you know, brought me in and, and it made me believe. And, you know, he was someone that, that I looked at as just larger than life. And, you know, of course, The Undertaker as well. But later in my life is when I started to appreciate guys like Randy Orton and, and The Rock and, you know, Edge. And, and that's where you'll see potentially some influences. I've, I've always said that the key to being successful in wrestling is innovation, not emulation. So I never, I never try to emulate any of those guys. Mm. But if I can possibly take a little something and innovate it, well, then that's an influence, but it's not an emulation. And, and that's the important thing. So you're in your mid-twenties, so it would have been unmasked Kane, because he was masked in like 2003, or was it masked Kane? Who was your favorite wrestler? Well, I preferred the original Kane, so we're talking 1998, 99, yeah. um, you know, early 2000. No, his whole career I was a fan of, but it was it was right then and there when I first started watching him around, you know, five or six years old. That was when I first started, you know, being, uh, you know, looking towards Kane. So, um, so what came first? Did your character development come first, or did you do your first match? Well, you know, my, my, I, I don't necessarily consider myself to be a character, if that's mm-hmm. what you're asking. Yeah. You know, for, for me, it's just what you see is what you get. I'm, I'm very much that way throughout all 24 hours of the day. It's just so happened that, you know, if you're referring to what you see on MLW TV, that's just what happens when the cameras are on me. It's the same thing when the cameras are, are not on uh, I'm, I'm that way all the time. You know, the way that I, you know, conduct business in, inside and outside of the ring, that's always been me. What I enjoy to do outside of professional wrestling is is seen on screen as well. The way I dress, that's the way that I dress. Um, you know, people ask me about the AirPods. Do I have them in all the time? I'm doing this interview with the AirPods in. They're always in. That's me. Richard Holiday is Richard Holiday on screen. It's not turned up. It's not mm. anything. That's who I am. You're you're speaking to the guy. Cool. So take us back to your first match. What What do you remember about it? In hindsight, did you think it was good? Do you have you been back? Would you watch it again? Would I watch it again? Yeah, maybe if I wanted to just chuckle myself. My yeah. first match was August first, two thousand fifteen, in South Bend, Indiana. I wrestled a gentleman by the name of Brian Costello, who was actually also the promoter of the show. Oh wow! And yeah, yeah, man. Uh, you know world famous tag team demolition i'm sure you're you're familiar with them yes actually inter- actually interfered in my first match and, and cost me the matchup oh, so wow. that's always a nice fond memory uh, of of my first match ever and you know was it good i don't know was it good for a first match possibly would i be proud to present that match now no i wouldn't but a first match is what it is and i'm proud that it happened and i wouldn't be where i am today if it wasn't for that first match so I'm very thankful for it, and you know I'm happy that it happened. Uh, I'd like to think that I'm uh, far more advanced than I was in August 1st of 2015, though. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's your boy Hot Fire, and you tuning in to Broken but Glorious. All right, so so you're a member of the Faction Dynasty. Um, can you tell us about the history of the team? Well, the 
dynasty is is undoubtedly the most talked about faction stable grouping uh, potentially in all of wrestling today. There's there's several you know different quote unquote stables that you might see across television yes. uh, for for various major promotions. But uh, you know I'd wager to say that dynasty is the most popular because we have three individuals who are larger than life who are doing big things individually collectively. And when we are on screen, the consumers are just absolutely rambunctious. They are talking about us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, all over social media platforms. Dynasty, dynasty, dynasty. They want more of the dynasty. They actually wish that MLW was just an hour straight of the dynasty. And did you know, I will tell you this, that the dynasty produced episode of MLW was the most watched episode in the history of oh, Major wow. League Wrestling. Yes, I'm a huge fan of yes, MLW. It's up, it's... That and NWA is my, on my must-watch every week. Uh, so, yeah, as you mentioned, like, Hail Factorians are... They went a bit out of fashion for a while, but they've come back, like, big time in the last couple of years. You've got, like, Strictly Business, NWA, Country Unit, Yourselves, and MLW in a circle, Dark Order, and AEW, and that, whatever Seth Rollins group is called in WWE. Why do you think they've come back in such a big way the last couple of years? Well, I think people saw the success of the Dynasty, and now... You know, they're looking at us and saying, well, maybe we could we could replicate that. And like I said, it's all about innovation, not emulation. Mm. And the dynasty, is, the dynasty is innovating. We are doing things that are just completely different than everybody else. A lot of the other, you know, factions, and I'm not speaking for anybody in particular, but a lot of it is recycled and not really fresh in what the dynasty is doing currently. So what Hammerstone, Maxwell, Gino, what we've done is we've created our own brand. We're bigger than a faction. We're a brand. The dynasty is something bigger than itself at this yes. point. And it's just because of, you know, the success that we've had, the fun that we've had doing it. Is the dynasty the uh, MLW exclusive faction, or do you go out on the indies with the guys? Well, the dynasty has been featured on the indies in the, in the past. But for the most part, it's MLW exclusive. You know, we want to keep that on television. We don't want that just um, getting watered down. Not that I think it possibly can mm. but i just think it's it's better off where it is and, and giving mlw that you know that exclusivity that it deserves because that's where the dynasty started because uh, alexander hammerstone had a quick spell in um, nowhere last year would you like to go out to nowhere and maybe take the team with you well i think japan would, would certainly be interesting it's a definitely a different group of consumers um out there in japan and i think i would thrive i think that the, the japanese consumers would be you know ecstatic to have me in, in, in their rings and go on tour out there and I think you know what Hammerstone did out there was nothing short of fantastic it was a legendary tour yes. he, he represented the National Openweight Championship with pride and prestige and brought it back to MLW bigger than, than when he left with it and I think I would do the same thing with the Caribbean Championship this is probably my last question so remember back in the day when NWO did their own pay-per-view so if the Dynasty were to do their own pay-per-view of all Dynasty members having a singles match, which opponents would you choose for each other? Well, I think opponents don't matter. What I do think matters is leverage and situations. Yes. And I think that the Dynasty would all would be in all of the championship matches. I think, you know, maybe it's Hammerstone defending the National Open Championship against whoever he wants to. Yeah. I think I'll defend the Caribbean Championship against Savio Vega just to rub it in his face. <laughs> I think Gino, maybe Gino goes for the middleweight championship and wins that. 
and then who knows? You know, maybe us three will 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 flip a couple coins, and maybe we'll have a chug a coffee chugging contest to see who who faces for the MLW Heavyweight Championship. <laughs> we'll have a fatal four way that work as well. <laughs> well, I wouldn't do a fatal four way because I would never want to harm my dynasty bros. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I think that that heavyweight championship will be in the dynasty sooner rather than later. Yes, definitely. So this is where I usually ask where can people see in the near future, but um, have you got any plans to keep you and your fan, fans entertained during the lockdown? Well, you're talking during this uh, pandemic Pandemic, yes. Well, I mean, for the most part, I'm doing a lot of podcasts. I, I, I'm sure that you found me from the tweet that I put out when I challenged podcasts to you know, step up and, and, and keep performers in the loop and, and allow consumers to, you know, listen to different people and, and possibly develop a new, um, you know, relationship from, from wrestler to consumer. Yes. Because that's important. So I've been doing a lot of podcasts, as, as you might know. Um, you know, and then there's other content that I'm working on in specific behind the scenes, um, which can't be revealed yet. But, you know, myself, MLW, we're, we're working on something that could be pretty big. And if that comes, to fruition, I think the consumers are going to be more than pleased. You could, you could start an office podcast. I could start an office podcast. However, I'm not. Sh- I'm not so sure how long I'd want to do that for. Maybe <laughs> one episode. <laughs> All right, so before we go, do you want to promote your social media? Yeah, please. So, consumers, you can go ahead and find me at Most Marketable on Instagram and Twitter. Those are the two best platforms to find me. That's where I'm the most active. So listen to this podcast, breathe rarefied air, and follow me. Oh yeah, all the links will be in the description below this interview. So I've really enjoyed speaking today. I'd love to have you on again in the future. All right, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it.